Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's, uh, let's welcome all of our locations, and uh, we want to give a very special shout out to Celebration Northern Ireland. They're in the series with us as well. I want to say a big hello to Celebration Church UK across the pond there, and we are in a series called This Changes Everything. And man, it's really been a great series about how when we encounter Jesus, everything changes, and everything changes for the better. But before I get into today's message, I want to give us two quick announcements. First of all, I want to speak to all of our business people and say that this Friday, this coming Friday, we have a business seminar, a marketplace seminar. I really encourage you to attend if you can. Uh, we have a speaker coming up from South Florida who just has a great gift with business leaders and kind of ministry in the marketplace, so to speak. He's really going to help you in your business and in your career. You have to go online at celebration.org to register. I think it's only about 15 bucks. It is from 9 to 1, so you will have to miss a little work, but I'm telling you, you will reap a lot more because you are going to learn some fantastic uh, business pr principles, and really just about uh, the whole thing with being a follower of Christ in the marketplace and understanding that God wants to bless you there. And so I really hope that you can make it for that uh, if you're in the business and marketplace arena. And then also, I need to speak to all of our riot parents. Riot parents, are you here? Now listen, listen. You'll see on the screen behind me there, our riot retreat is this summer for all high schoolers and middle schoolers. It's right in the middle of July, okay? For this weekend through next weekend, we still have the half price special, okay? Now, the full price is $250 per kid, okay? Now, that is at cost. That is the, just the cost of the trip. If you register your student uh, before uh, the end of next weekend, okay? We've got about eight days left, it is half price. It is $125 per student. That means the church is putting up $125 per kid because we so want your child on this retreat. Okay, so that, that is a big deal. So don't be mad when that special ends and you're like, hey, can I still get the half price? No, no, you can't. Okay, uh, we're, we're offering to come in and supplement because we want to get all the kids registered early. Uh, I think our max is we can only take about uh, 600 students and uh, during the retreats, we'll be able to take more every year, but we really want them to get them registered, know who's going so we can plan appropriately. So just remember that, parents, and at all locations, there's a place right out uh, in the foyer or in the tents outside. I think at the arena here, you see a riot tent uh, where you can go ahead and sign them up today. So get them signed up. Parents, we need your help. I need your help. The youth pastors need your help. Here's what I can guarantee you. If your kid goes on this ret retreat, they will have an encounter with God. They will have an experience with Jesus. You can ask any student who went last year. It's so, so important. And so that's a, that's a big part of our vision and our heart here, the next generation. So make sure you get them signed up. All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the Gospel of John chapter 4, the Gospel of John chapter 4 today, and I am going to be preaching on one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible, and that is the woman at the well. 
You know, for the last nine or 10 years, I've preached this passage of scripture every single year and every single year I've preached it differently. I think there's so much about the grace of God in this chapter. I think there's so much about Jesus in this chapter and understanding the nature of Jesus. And I believe there is so much in this chapter really about how when you have an encounter with God, everything changes. And we're gonna see this lost, broken Samaritan woman encounter Jesus, and guess what? She's gonna know God, she's gonna find freedom, she's gonna discover her purpose, and oh, is she gonna make a difference. So it's gonna be great. And so if I had a title for today's message, I think I would entitle it simply, Give Me a Drink. Give me a drink. Come on, fist bump somebody near you and say, give me a drink, give me a drink. See, some of you, that just came out way too easily, like you've been saying that. You've been saying that way too much. It was like, you know, just part of your vocabulary all the time. We're gonna take a look at it in a little bit different angle in this story. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your grace, God, and we thank you that when we encounter you, Jesus, everything changes, and we're gonna see that once again today as this Samaritan woman discovers her purpose. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. I wanna fast forward a little bit further in the story and look at the outcome that this encounter with Jesus had in uh, John chapter four, verse 39. The woman goes back to her Samaritan town, and it says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. And so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Wow, what, what an encounter this woman had. I mean, here she has this encounter with Jesus, this Samaritan woman, as you saw there in the video, she'd have five husbands. She was obviously a broken woman in a lot of pain, in immorality. Here she has this encounter with Jesus. She's kind of the outcast of the town. And that's why, by the way, she's at the well at noon. You know, back in those days, you didn't go get water at noon. Noon is when it was the hottest. That's when you'd rest, you would rest. The, the, the villagers would go out to the well either early in the morning or late in the afternoon when it was cooler. So the very fact that this woman was going to the well at noontime showed us that she was kind of an outcast of the city. She didn't want to be around the other villagers when she was at the well. But here she has this encounter with Jesus. She goes back as a preacher. I mean, Jesus has basically turned her into the Christine Cain of Samaria. And she preaches to this Samaritan village. And then Jesus breaks all the rules. I'm gonna get into that in just a moment. He breaks all the rules and he stays in this city in Samaria for two to three days preaching the gospel. And this whole town gets saved. What an amazing story of a woman who has an encounter with Jesus and everything changes about her life. So what I wanna do is I wanna go back and unpack a few things about this story, and I think we can really look into the nature of Jesus, and I think in some aspects of this story, I think we can find all of us at one place or another. The first thing that I love about this story is this is John chapter four. Now, if you're familiar with the Gospel of John, 
Uh, in John chapter three, Jesus has an, his encounter with Nicodemus. And both of these encounters, Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus and Jesus' encounter with this woman at the well is really, really cool because most of the time when we see Jesus in the gospels, he's preaching to the multitudes. He's preaching to the thousands. He's healing the multitudes. You know, he's feeding the 5,000. He's fee feeding the 4,000. And here we find Jesus having these one-on-one -on -one encounters where Jesus is demonstrating, listen, it's all about the one. The crowds are made up of many individuals. And I just wanna encourage you today, you might feel that you're lost in the crowd. You might feel that your life is insignificant. You might feel like everybody is passing you by. Can I tell you this? Jesus is not passing you by. And in fact, Jesus wants an encounter with you. He wants to make an exchange and let you know that he has purpose for, you, for your life and where you are right now is not by accident. Listen, do not minimize where you are. Think about this woman. She had every right to kind of minimize where she was, but here's what she didn't understand about Jesus was that Jesus sees the equal value in everyone. And it's demonstrated in these two chapters of John. Think about it. In John chapter three, in the cool of night, Jesus is having this encounter with Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? Man, Nicodemus was a very wealthy man. He was from the Jewish elite, so to speak. Very religious, very well-to-do, high in the religious and social standing of, of, of that day. Here Jesus has this one-on-one -on -one encounter with Nicodemus. And he says, Nicodemus, basically, this is the Stovall paraphrase, Look, I know you're a, you know, you're a good man and, and you're religious and, and from a human perspective, you're, you're moral and all that, but Nicodemus, you must be born again. You're a sinner like everybody else. You need a savior. You need a spiritual birth in a relationship with God. And so watch, now he's, Jesus is kind of in high society, one-on-one -on -one with Nicodemus, a chapter later, we find him with this Samaritan woman. I'm gonna get into this in just a, 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 a few moments, but the Samaritans, there was huge racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. For the, the Assyrians invaded Israel and occupied it in the year 722 BC, and when they did, they intermarried with some of the Jews, and therefore there was uh, an, an offspring, or as the Jews looked at it, a race that was like a mixed race, like a, like a half-breed. And even though they believed in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, they mixed up a lot of Assyrian tradition, and because the Jews rejected them, they also kind of made this thing like Mount Gerzim, like when Jesus is talking to her and say, hey, the day's coming when you're not gonna worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. The Samaritans, because they were rejected by the Jews, they added kind of some Assyrian things and they basically said, well, Noah's Ark landed on Mount Gerzim and Abraham sacrificed Isaac on Mount Gerzim. They just kind of turned some of the Bible stories to accommodate them because they were rejected by the Jews and there was a lot of racial tension. And in fact, the Jews, when they would use the term a Samaritan, the way that they would say it most of the time, it was very, very derogatory. Like they used it like, like a cuss word. And so there was this, all this racial tension between Jews and Samaritans, okay? So back in this culture, watch this, okay? First, she's a woman, okay, with not a husband. Strike one. She's a Samaritan, which is kind of looked as a lesser than a half-breed 
strike two. She's had five husbands. The person she's living with now is not her husband. She's obviously in pain, a broken life, very immoral. Strike three, but not in the eyes of Jesus. You see, because watch, it doesn't matter to Jesus whether you're like Nicodemus, high society, religious, upstanding, or whether you're like this Samaritan woman, outcast, broken, immoral. Can I tell you this? In the eyes of Jesus, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Everybody has equal value. Everybody is equal in the eyes of God. Listen, do not minimize where you are. You have the same value in the eyes of God as every other person who has walked the face of this earth. And God has a plan and a purpose for you. So I love this. So look, let me look here at, at John 4, 3, 4 again. Look at this. Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Look at this. But he needed, everybody say needed. He needed to go through Samaria. Now, let me explain how Israel was and really basically still is in, in context at this time. Okay, Jesus didn't need to go through Samaria. In other words, there were several routes where he could travel from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north. He could go around Samaria, and most Jews did. Why? Because of the racial tension. There was all kind of racial tension between the two. That's why the woman said, hey, you Jews don't have anything to do with us Samaritans. It was very uncomfortable. Most Jews, especially religious Jews, especially rabbis, okay, would just bypass, they would go surround around Samaria if they were traveling from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north or from Galilee in the north to Judea in the south. But when Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee, the Bible says that he needed to go through Samaria. In other words, Jesus was not gonna bypass going through the middle Galilee to the north, Samaria in the middle, Judea in the south. Jesus was not gonna bypass the middle. He had to go through the middle. He had to go through where it was inconvenient. He had to go through where it was uncomfortable because God needed him to go through there. See, many times when we're going through those middle seasons in our life. God gives you a vision. He gives you a, a promise. You, 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 you're in Judea. You receive the vision. You receive the promise. You have expectations for your life. You have dreams. You have visions for your life. You know with God that all things are possible and that he's called you to do these things. But, but, but to get from where you are to where God's called you to go, there's a middle that you have to go through that is inconvenient it can be hot, it can have a lot of trials, but it's needed. It's always in the middle season. Remember when Jesus told the disciples, hey, get in the boat, we're gonna go to, to the other side. It was all fine and dandy until they got into the middle of the lake. They couldn't really see where they came from. They couldn't really see the fulfillment of that promise yet. They couldn't really see the, the end. It was in the middle. That's when the storms came up. 
and they lost faith and said, we're drowning. See, here's what you need to understand. Here's what we can learn about this story. Many times when you're in a trial, when you're in a middle season, when you're going through trials and when you're going through pain and when you're going through adversity and you're going through those storms and you don't understand why and you're saying, why me, God? Why me, God? Many times you need to understand it's not about you. It's about the others. It's about someone else. There's someone else Something's gonna happen in the people around you and you need to go through that storm so that in the process of your pain, you can introduce someone else to the divine purposes of God. Jesus didn't need to go through the Samaria for himself. He was going through Samaria for someone else. Many times when we get in storms or trials or things like that, we think it's all about us. Can I tell you, many times it's not about you. God just needs you to go through it because in this process, he's gonna use you to bring someone else into the purposes of God. That's why, what does the Bible say? Count it all what? Joy when you go through different trials. Why, why? Well, you count it all joy. Why? Because many times, yes, it produces things in you, but many times it's not about you. It's about someone else that's going to need the Jesus in you as you're going through the trial. He needed to go through Samaria. Now, look what happens here. So he, he goes through Samaria. Look at uh, John 4, 7. Here comes, he engages the woman. It says, a one of Samaria came to draw water. We saw there, the Bible says it was like in the heat of the day, it was at noontime, it was very uncomfortable. This is the total opposite of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is in the cool of the night in a courtyard, very comfortable. This is the heat of the day. It's somewhere inconvenient, very uncomfortable. The woman Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, I love this, give me a drink. You know, sometimes you look at that scripture like face value and you're like, come on, Jesus. Like, she's the woman, right? Why don't you offer, you know, to get a drink for her? But see, Jesus wasn't just thinking about a literal drink of water. Let me tell you what Jesus is initiating here. First of all, by Jesus speaking to her, he's breaking all the rules. He's opening up dialogue. He's basically communicating acceptance to this Samaritan woman. He's breaking all the, think about this woman. So she's the outcast of her town. She has to come out to this well in the heat of the day at noon. She comes out to this well thinking, well, at least I'm here alone. I can get my water, not be bothered by any of the other ladies or whoever in the village and, and, and go back. Here she gets to this well and lo and behold, here is this Jew. Great. He's gonna come in here and either say something derogatory about me or not say anything at all because that was the religious rule, so to speak. And Jesus looks right at her and says, give me a drink. See, what Jesus is setting up is a divine exchange here. He's not really after a drink. He's after her heart. He's after her soul. And where this dialogue is gonna lead to is basically Jesus saying this. 
See, this is what it means to put God first. Jesus is saying this. You give me what you can give me, and I'll give you what only I can give you. I want to make an exchange with you. You give me what you can give me, a drink of regular water, I'll give you what only I can give you, which is what you really need, which is the living water, a relationship with God. Jesus is initiating a divine exchange. And do you realize this? Listen, everything, our walk with God, it's all about a divine exchange. That's how God works. What happened today when we came into church in praise and worship, you know what God's looking for? A divine exchange. You give me what you can give me. Give me your voice. Give me naturally what you can give me. Clap your hands. Give me naturally what you can give me. Sing those words on the screen because we are participators, not spectators. Give me what you can give me. Raise your hands to me even you, when you don't feel like it. You give me what you can give to me and I will give you what only I can give to you. I will give you a divine exchange. You give me your heaviness, I'll give you the garment of praise. You give me your worship, I'll give you my presence. You give me your voice, I'll give you my joy. Thank God for the divine exchange. Come on, look at somebody near you and say, give me a drink. That's what God's asked when you get up in the morning and you've got your Bible right there or your iPhone with the Bible on it. God wants you to get in the word, right? You know what he's saying? Give me a drink. You give me what you can give me. Give me some of your time. You give him my word. You know what I'll give you? I'll give you what only I can give you. I'll give you the satisfaction that regular food can't satisfy you with. I'll give you my word. That's what he's telling this woman. You put me first. You give me what you can give me. I'll give you something so much better and so much more. You give me the regular water. I'll give you the living water. Here's what God's saying to some of you. You give me your natural life. Let's say you're 20 years old. Maybe you got 70 years left or you're 50 years old and you got 40 years left. You know what Jesus is saying? You give me the rest of your natural life. You're 60 or 50 or 40 or however many years, who knows how long you have left. You give me your natural life, I'll give you eternal life. I'll give you trillions times trillions of years in heaven and then an endless amount. You give me what you can give me and I'll give you what I can give you, which is the true life. Mm. See, here's what many times we don't understand. Look, look about these simple instructions from God. What this woman didn't know was that this daily instruction, give me a drink. What she didn't know was that this daily instruction was actually a divine interruption. And many times what we don't understand is a daily instruction is really a divine interruption 
where we give God space where he can invade our lives and make his supernatural part of our very natural lives. Listen, don't you minimize where you are. Don't you minimize your Bible reading. Don't you minimize your praise and worship. Don't you minimize it when you read that chapter a day. I'm telling you, you know what you're doing? There's a divine exchange going on. You're giving God your time, your energy, your talent. Don't you minimize when you give and when you tithe, even though you can't see the blessing or the breakthrough yet. I am telling you, when you give to God, he will give back to you so much more. Those daily instructions are actually divine interruptions for God to invade our life so that everything can change for the better. Oh man. So let's look. He says, give me a drink. Look what, let's fast forward couple of scriptures. Look what she says. The woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, she's feisty, huh? Don't you, she seemed, that, that, that girl on the screen, she seems like feisty Samaritan woman. You know what I'm saying? Feisty, kind of like Puerto Rican. You know what I'm saying? Like feisty, feisty Puerto Rican. We got some Puerto Rican women on our staff. All of them are feisty. They're all feisty in a good way. In a good way. Look at this. <laughs> Look, the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? You know, us, the, us people y'all look down on, us half-breeds, you know, us mixed races. I mean, yeah, you're that you know, high and mighty Jew. How is it that you ask me, a Samaritan woman, a drink from me? Look, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, just like I said, I mean, they weren't supposed to talk to each other, much less like share utensils, share a drink of water. She's like, 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 why are you even talking to me? I mean, this isn't the norm. And this is why, if you notice, if you heard on the video, Jesus had sent his disciples away to buy food. You wanna know why? So those immature racist disciples would not mess up his ministry moment with this woman. Because they just weren't ready for it yet. Jesus knows what he's doing. He sends them away. So she's like, whoa, 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 watch, watch. This, there's a, here's what she's saying. There's a divide, a, a divide between us, sir, there's this racial divide between us and that racial divide that society endorses and promotes, this racial divide is gonna keep you and I from having any type of relationship. But see, what she didn't know was she was talking to grace. And where there is grace, there is no race. What she didn't know was, she's not just looking at a Jew. She's looking at the Son of God who is gonna die on the cross and nullify every ordinance 
and, and racial divide and cultural divide and philosophical divide. And he's going to bring all races and colors and creeds because they all have the same value. He's going to bring everybody into one man, one body of Christ at the cross. Because when you meet grace, there is no race. We're all equal at the cross. I don't care. Listen, I don't care what America says. America's saying that the racial divide is bigger than it's ever been. I'm telling you, in the church where there's grace, there's no racial divide in here. Where... Don't get me started. You can talk racial divide all you want, but when you're in the church, you're in grace, and where there's grace, there is no race. People, people ask me all the time, Stovall, how is how Celebration Church so diverse? Y'all have so much diversity. That's, a lot of times people come in our church, maybe it was like you, when you came in our church, you're kind of like, you're trying to figure out our church. <laughs> like, is this a white church, a black church? Is this spirit-filled? Is this denominational, interdenominational, non-denominational, wealthy church, poor church? No, you know what? We're the church. We're just the church. And where there's truly grace, you're not going to see people in terms of race. You're going to see every single person of every color and every creed and every ethnicity and every stage of life. Every person has equal value in the eyes of God. Every person. Every single person. That's why we are strategic in that we, we just want to be a church that looks like heaven. The Bible says in Revelations, when you look at heaven, guess what? There's every race, every tribe, every color, every tongue, every creed. Watch. There's diversity, but you know what? There's unity in that diversity. We're just all sons and daughters of God. Come on, because of the blood of Jesus. <laughs> So then, look what happens here. She says, uh, look, oh, look what Jesus answers. So Jesus answered and said to her, so here's the exchange, right? Here's where he's leading her. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He's talking about Jacob's well, which by the way, Jacob's well is still in Israel today. It's actually one of the few wells that's fed from an underground spring. So it's been a sustainable source of water for thousands of years. Of years, So I think it's not coincidence that Jesus is also here talking about an even more sustainable and eternal source of water. You can go visit Jacob's well today, but it is in the West Bank, so wear your bulletproof vest and pray for the peace of Israel. All right. I wouldn't recommend going and seeing it right now. Okay. He says, look, he says, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never first, but the water that I shall give him will be coming to him, look, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Here's what Jesus is communicating to her. 
He's saying, listen, the things that you've been involved in with multiple partners and whatever else was going on in her life, Jesus was telling her, look, those things will never satisfy the thirst of your soul. Material things will never satisfy the thirst of your soul. Even spouses and, 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 and achievements and different things like that, certainly money or popularity, none of those things will satisfy the thirst of your soul. And what I found out with believers is many times when believers get thirsty again, it's because instead of continuing to drink from the living water that satisfies the soul, they've gone back to some of those old watering holes. They've gone back to some of those old watering holes, relationships and habits and, and things going on in their life, and they start going back to those old watering holes and drinking from wells that do not have living water, that you know are only gonna bring you pain in the end, that you know are only gonna lead to frustration, that you know are gonna be a dead end, that you know you're gonna eventually regret. So what I'm asking all of us here today is, what are you drinking? Where are you drinking? And who are you drinking with? I used to work in a bar in a club. What you drinking? Where are you drinking? And who are you drinking with? Those, the answers to those three questions are gonna determine whether or not your soul is satisfied. Are you following me? What I'm ho ho hopefully, what are you drinking? You're drinking living water. Where are you drinking? You're drinking from the fountain of life, a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Who are you drinking with? Come on. You're drinking with the body of Christ. You're drinking that new wine. You're drinking the water that satisfies. You're not back. You're not back in those old watering holes with those old habits and those old relationships and those old things that are only going to pull you down and pull you away and bring dissatisfaction into your life. And look what goes on, go on and this is, I'm getting to my first close. First close here. How many more minutes do I really have left? 10 minutes, good job, y'all know me well. First close, we go through three closings. Do you want me to close now? You want me to close now? Okay, I'm just, I'm just checking, I'm just checking. Look, it says, the woman said to him, I love this, sir, give me the water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, okay, go call your husband and come here. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. I love this, keep this right here. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. Don't you love Jesus? He is gonna find a positive in this moment. He is gonna find a compliment. He's about to bring some loving correction. Remember, he is grace, but he's also truth. So what Jesus is gonna do, this is classic business leadership. In business leadership, they teach you whenever you need to bring correction to an employee, what do you do? You start off with a compliment. 
You bring all the correction in the middle and then you end it with a compliment. It's like a correction sandwich with compliments as the top loaf and the bottom loaf. Jesus does exactly that right here. Jesus would have been a great CEO. I think there's a book called Jesus CEO. Look, go to the business lunch and seminar this Friday and find out. Look, here comes the correction. He gives her a comment. Now look, you've well said. You're telling the truth, but we just need to go a little further here. He says, yeah, you've well said, for you have had five husbands. That's really sad, y'all. And this time, that's, at this day and age, especially really sad. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. But look what Jesus says. In that you spoke truly. <laughs> he kind of gives her another positive. You know what this tells me? Do you notice this in this exchange here? You know, Jesus never says, you need to stop doing this. You're, beha you're, you're, you're behaving badly. You're immoral. Look what he never says that. See, this is so important. This is a great demonstration of the nature of Jesus. There's grace and there's truth. But what is Jesus doing? He's looking at the positive in this woman. And that's the difference between conviction and condemnation. See, when God is convicting you, convicting you, conviction always draws you towards God. Condemnation always pushes you away from God. Some of you have made some mistakes and you've done some bad things and you know what? You're still carrying that shame and you've allowed the devil to come in and place a wedge there and he's pushing you away from God and he's telling you you've blown it and you'll never change and you know you're just you're 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 just you know God's just kind of tolerating you and all that. Can I tell you that is an absolute lie. Jesus loves you and he wants to bring you back and bring you in and bring you a divine exchange. Remember what he told Peter. Peter said, how often should we get people, forgive people, seven times? I mean, lucky for Peter, Jesus said 70 times seven because Peter would sin seven times in half a chapter if you read the Bible. Jesus says, no, seven times 70. And he wasn't saying 490 times. He says, no, there's always forgiveness in me. Watch, because grace makes up the difference. God knew you were gonna fail before you ever failed. God loves you anyway. God's not out to condemn you. Now, Jesus might be convicting you to draw you towards him, but no, if you feel like you're being pushed away from God, God with guilt and shame. That is never Jesus. That is always the enemy. Jesus might reveal your sin, but he will never revel in it. He will never make you feel bad for what you've done. Now our conscience will, but we need to understand the nature of Jesus. Man, what a beautiful picture of grace and truth. So here we go, okay? Here's my second closing. Here's what we see from Jesus in this. Here's what we learn about Jesus from this passage. First of all, he redeems my yesterdays. Jesus said, I know where you are. I understand you're a Samaritan. I understand all these things. I understand you've had five husbands. Guess what? None of those things matter. All that matters is that you have a relationship with God. Listen, all the bad things you've been through, all the pain, all the mess ups, can I tell you this? God will redeem all that. He'll use all that. He'll turn all that back around for his good if you stay in a relationship with Jesus. He not only redeems my yesterdays, 
He not only redeems my yesterdays, but look, he is more than enough right now. Jesus said, I will give you living water right now. Listen, no matter, you might think you have a lot of needs. Your real need is Jesus. Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is your breakthrough. Jesus is your resurrection. Jesus is your grace. It is all about Jesus. He is more than enough for you right now. He can get you through this middle season in your life. Some of you think you're in a midlife crisis. God wants to turn your midlife crisis, crisis into a midlife Christness. Get out of that midlife crisis and get into submit life Christ nest he's more than enough for you right now you might say God I can't take anymore that's a great place to be you need to give it all to Jesus you need to cast your burdens on him because he cares for you God wants to give you a divine exchange if you will come to him where you receive his grace and you get back on purpose and that's exactly what he says to this woman and he also wants you to know that he is already in all of my tomorrows. God doesn't speak to where you are. He speaks to where he sees you're going. Listen, listen. This is my final close here. So important. So many times we overlook this about this passage of scripture. Remember what Jesus said to the woman? He says, the day is coming, watch, when you, he's speaking to the woman, when you won't worship God at this mountain, and you won't worship him in Jerusalem. You will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know what he's speaking to that Samaritan woman? You are gonna know me, the Messiah, you are gonna be a worshiper. You're no longer gonna live in this life that you look at as mediocrity. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. You're gonna be a true worshiper, the kind that the Father seeks. The Father has been seeking you your entire life, and today as you have met me, you have encountered God. You are no longer gonna live in your old life, but you are coming into a new life where yes, you Samaritan woman, you are a worshiper of the one true God. There is no barrier with race. There's no barrier with sin. There's no barrier of anything in your past. I'm already in your tomorrows. I see your future. Listen to me. God sees your future. He sees your potential. Don't minimize where you are right now. You need to know that God is all that you need, that we all have equal value and everybody has a plan and a purpose from God. And just like this Samaritan woman, God's gonna put you on purpose and you're gonna go and make a difference for him. She went back into her town and became an evangelist. I wanna encourage you today. Don't minimize where you are. He's already in your tomorrows and he sees a better future and a hope and a place that's full of grace. Come on, let's worship. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.